Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Habibis podcast. Three game developers drinking good Arab tea. I'm your host for this week, Osama Darius. And I'm Rami Ismail. So for this week, we thought of starting it a little bit differently. We've been receiving a lot of really interesting uh, emails and messages on Twitter, lots of questions uh, on our Discord. Uh, we read them, we always respond, and we love getting those. So uh, we thought maybe we were going to start by reading out a few of them, our, a few of our favorites. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to start us off with an email from uh, Tanvir Mia. Uh, just off the back of the episode about driving in Egypt, I have a funny anecdote about learning to drive a motorbike in Bangladesh. When I went to Bangladesh, my dad was aggressively against me uh, learning to drive a motorbike and wouldn't let me go uh, go out with my uncle who had a Yamaha unless he promised he wouldn't let me drive it. I was 16 in Bangladesh when I wanted to learn. Once my dad let his guard down and didn't make my uncle promise, so he snuck out to an abandoned factory site. Uh, I know it's probably the unsafest place to learn. And he taught me to drive <laughs> the motorbike, which I picked up very quickly. I asked about helmets and he laughed. He didn't even know where you could buy one locally. Oh, my God. <laughs> my uncle suggested I drive back home to prove to my dad I can drive, which was a wild experience due to the lack of rules similar to Arab countries. You know, we spoke about that at length. Right. <laughs> but while I was driving, I asked how to indicate. As in like signal. He didn't understand what I meant. <laughs> While driving, I explained the lights on the side of the bike are indicators and indicate if you're going to turn. And he, his mind was blown. <laughs> he had no idea the lights had a purpose or if they even lit up. Oh, my God. <laughs> he thought the idea of indicating was hilarious and had never heard of the concept. He just turned when he wanted to. Right. <laughs> That's fair. fair. <laughs> He later took me to his friend's shop and asked me to narrate what I told him about indicators. They were all cracking up and couldn't believe indicators were a thing. The concept (laughs) was so novel to them and genuinely thought the lights were just part of the aesthetic. I mean, I can imagine, like, it's the same thing with with mirrors, you know? Like, people are like, yeah, well, they're there. Yeah. What are they they for? Like, I mean, you can see behind you, but what are you going to look behind you? There's people trying to force stop your car in front of you. So you, you worry about what's in front of you. Let them yeah, worry about. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do almost want to want to look up the number of accidents or like the statistics on <laughs> yeah. accidents in Bangladesh. I mean, yeah. like oh, they probably, probably will match what we have in, in the Middle East. Probably yeah. very similar. <laughs> probably very similar. I I can, I could jump in and read a tweet. There's a there's a tweet coming in from Mo. He says. Loving the Habibis podcast, and I'm dying to know what good Arab tea you guys are drinking. Be as specific as you can. So um, I'm drinking um, uh, jasmine tea today, actually, which is what I usually drink. I'm not sure if it's Arab tea, per se. Um, Yeah. um, I mean, that's kind of an Arab name. Like it's commonly drunk, right? Yeah. 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 I had Uh. a lot of jasmine tea in Japan as well. So uh, Right. Um, but it, it tastes it tasted different than a jasmine tea I used to have back home. Like we we like right. really dark tea. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It, it has to look like Coke almost. <laughs> right. It has to be super dark with like as many spoons of sugar as humanly possible. Right. I don't like what you, you know like, you know, like when you get like the tea, it'll be like the the little uh, like shot glass, and there'll be like uh, maybe the quarter of it is sugar. When, when yeah. it's served to me. <laughs> 
two giant cubes. That's the two standard. Giant, giant cubes, yeah. <laughs> if you don't ask for sugar, that's what you get. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I mean, uh, minty is one of my favorite, like nana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but like it was my my um, my grandmother used to drink that all the time, uh-huh. and it wasn't it wasn't tea unless there were some you know leaves of nana in it. So. Um, I can't. I I don't have the leaves, but I do have a a mint tea laying around. Uh, and otherwise, like usually, just you know, straight up black, just black tea. Yeah. Um, Classic. I used to actually. I used to actually grow up a lot of uh, uh, lemon, right? Tea with milk. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. That was like a very common. Uh, when we would go to bed, we kind of mixed our Dutch and Egyptian influences, so we would have <laughs> tea. Uh, we would have um, uh, lemon tea with milk. In the evening, half tea, half milk, or a little bit more than half tea, and uh, you know, a little bit less than half milk, <clears throat> and then uh, and then a stroopwafel, which is a Dutch uh, a Dutch cookie, uh, on top of it, because uh, if you put the waffle on top of the tea, it melts a little, and the the syrup inside gets a little gooey. So we would great. have like the Dutch, it, the most Dutch Egyptian possible end of our day <laughs> every day, a shabalaban with a stroopwafel. Um, sounds great. Yeah, um, those are kind of my go-to's. I have an assortment of teas at home. Uh, None of them I would necessarily consider uh, Arab tea. I actually ran out of my stores of the Arab tea. But what what I generally drink, it's either uh, Assam black tea or Earl Grey or um, uh, Orange Pico. I also have some rooibos, but that's not really tea. Those are like, you know, practically flower petals. But all of those are good. Uh, I love tea. so And I I used to have uh, teas from all over the world. Uh, My stores are a little bit depleted. Um, the uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is my favorite Iraqi tea, which I don't have anymore, uh, is Numi Basra, which is a tea made from dried lime. Uh, and it actually has a very, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit of a sour tea, so you have to have it with a lot of sugar or, or honey, but it tastes delicious. And if you don't, then it kind of tastes like neocitron, like a medicine <laughs> because of how, uh, sour it is. Um, I'm looking forward to restocking after the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, wow. The, that, that last tea sounds great. I've never had. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I never, I want to get that. What what was it called again? Numi Basra. Numi Basra. Okay. Good, good, good. I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have another email from, uh, Madi Bahrami, uh, who, uh, writes, um, in, in the last episode, Rami talks briefly about scissor superstition in Egypt. In Iran, we have the same superstition. We should not leave a scissor open because that's a sign for a conflict or fight between people. If my grandma sees scissors left open somewhere, she would ask us to close it. They believe if you don't cut stuff with the scissors and leave it open, it will cut our relationships instead. Wow. It's kind of fascinating because I, from what I remember, Osama Fauzi, you two didn't have that superstition. No, no. I've never, so this I've never really, heard of it before. It's interesting yeah. that this it's is, also in Iran. Right. Yeah. It traveled across. I mean, Iran and Egypt have, you know, old have old ties yeah so i'm guessing that scissors i mean scissors are a pretty old thing i'm guessing it must have come from that time the, the old ties between but it's funny that it didn't stop in any of your countries because you're both in the middle between yeah. us yeah. So. it's, it's very if, possible that is just something that my family didn't pick up i'm gonna actually ask my parents to know if i wonder if there's something in the, uh, like maybe something in the arab peninsula more yeah or that it didn't take hold there yeah but it did take in in North Africa and uh, and in uh, the Middle East. Interesting, yeah. I don't know if you recognize the name, but he is he is actually one of my favorite independent developers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked on a game called Farsh, which I use frequently to talk about how many unexplored game ideas there still are, um, which um, is an incredible game about rolling up carpets. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, he did Engare uh, recently. I love that game. I love right. that game. <laughs> which is a game about mathematical drawings. Uh, and it's really hard to explain, but it's very good. It's like, um, it's like the, the, those mathematical drawings that end up like creating a lot of like the the Islamic uh, ornaments in like uh, classic architecture of the of the region. Absolutely. Because there was sort of like um, um, a religious precedent to not portraying creatures. Uh, a lot of the art in the region grew to be very beautifully like. Uh, complex geometric shapes and uh, and God, it really shows beautifully how how some of those were done, Great uh, and what their origins are. But yeah, good. Um, how about how about we transition to some video games? This was fun. We should yeah, do this more often. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you do? I mean, did, what did you play this week, Rami? Or maybe you watched oh, something? Um, I play. So I uh, I actually fun story. I um I didn't feel like there was much to play this week. Uh, mostly, I just wanted something fun and fast to play, and I've I have such a love for the sort of action racers, right? And I don't know where it came from because I don't really like racing games all that much. I like r- games where you travel from A to B. I don't like racing games, and I just wanted like a fun racing game. So I bought Burnout Paradise on the Switch, well, and that game is incredible. Yeah, such a good game. The the thing about burnout, like the the weird thing about burnout is, I I think I joined burnout at uh, burnout revenge, right, like a decade and a half ago by now, mm-hmm. and I really liked how fast it was. It was unreasonably fast. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you had takedown, and there was all the the like super over the top uh, crashes that you could do. I think paradise is it's not necessarily the best burnout, but it is the most complete burnout. It's absolutely it's, my favorite. Oh yeah, mine as well. Uh, the thing that I, the thing that I, now that I'm playing it again, right? The thing that I think I love about it most is that it never stops. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a game about momentum and burnout paradise. Just it does not stop. Like you complete a race, you get the end screen. End screen is gone. You're driving. Yeah. Uh, you crash. You're driving. Yeah. You stop. Classical opera music starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like the people making this knew what they were doing, and they they really distilled everything of burnout into one game. And I think I like I like revenge in some moods a bit better. I like takedown in some moods a bit better uh, because they're messier. Burnout Paradise is it's very smooth, right? It's very clean. And playing it, I'm I'm adoring it, right? Like don't get me wrong, I'm loving this game, but I but I'm also realizing that. Uh, I just I just have such a soft spot for semi-broken games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to believe that this is true for most games, right? Like the first game in a series, very frequently, kind of like it's an idea, but yeah. they run out of time, they run out of money, they have to cut corners. They, you know, they're iterating so much on the the sort of the core of the game that they can't quite get to the finish line. But then the second game, they figure it all out, and somehow I love the first game every time. Yeah, but yeah, so I'm having a lot of fun. Actually, one of my my favorite things, my mom, uh, my Dutch mother, she plays video games with me. Uh, she's playing Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, yesterday I was visiting, so I brought my Switch to play Burnout Paradise. She has a dock, so I thought I'll play it. And my mom wanted to give it a go, and she had the best time, which I really did not expect. She just she just started driving in Burnout Paradise, mm-hmm. and she had a she had a blast like crashing into billboards. She thought that was the greatest thing, and she just kept saying like. <laughs> 
the person who made these crashes really loves crashes, don't they? Like, look at that. Every crash is different. Look at the yeah. wheel comes up. And she was just, she was having such a blast. And it made me realize just how tight around, like burnout is tied around two ideas, right? It's like going really fast and then the instant stop of the music, the instant slow motion on the crash, yeah. the like harmonica of your car falling apart and like spectacle, and then snapping straight back to speed. It adds That's to the burnout. impact. It adds right. to the impact so much. That feeling of like the slow motion then snapping back to reality. Right. Just, it's very visceral as a feeling. And Absolutely. the other thing is, it's like, it's so fast that you only realize you're in trouble about a half a second in favor, in, in front of it, right? Like mm. half a second before you hit the wall, you go like... <laughs> and then it's just like, as you're, you're, the sound leaves your mouth, you're already in the slow motion crash. So I took, I, my mom was driving her first bit and she, she was doing pretty well, which really honestly is, is quite impressive for somebody who hasn't been playing games that long. And suddenly there was a wall and she just went, oh, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a slow motion crash. And we just started laughing. Surprise so she played wall. Burnout. For quite a, it's such a good game. It is. It's, and Fun fact, it's actually my most played game on Steam. I have 662 hours on Burnout wow. Paradise. Wow. Well, to be fair, probably 60 of them are me and 600 are my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the game. 60 is still a considerable amount of time to put in a racing game. But my son, when he was three years old, he saw me playing, he took the controller. I have video of him playing. This is before he could even speak properly. And he was right. good. I'm watching him play. And he was like taking down cars and doing like, it's it's shocking. He fell in love with that game. So it's... It's one of those games that, like, you could a lot. Like, it's almost universal. Like, I don't think I've ever met someone who tried. Like, yeah. I, I met people who haven't tried it because they're like, oh, I don't play racing games. But I don't think I've ever met a person who's tried Burnout Paradise and didn't love it. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't think, matter if you're like racing game fan or yeah. not. Like, this is a gamer's game. You just grab yes. it it's and a, you're immediately having fun with it. It's exactly. a joy game. It's yes. a fun game, right? Yes, and exactly. I, I think I think I miss that. I miss, I definitely miss that in games right now. Like, but racing games try to be racing games, and I just I don't I don't I want to have fun. Yep. Like, just let me have fun. Yep. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, okay, so I'll jump in. I played a game called Haven. Mm -hmm. uh, I I enjoyed it. So basically, it's a an action adventure game with a narrative focus. I didn't finish it yet, so uh, but either way, I'm not going to spoil it. But so I don't know how it concludes. Uh, but narratively, I'm really liking it. The conversations mm -hmm. between the two characters, because you play and you could swap between two characters uh, without giving too much away. They're kind of isolated from they're the only people in this in this place. Uh, they only have each other. The conversations felt real and heartfelt. It was well written, mm -hmm. uh, and the voice acting was really good as well. Um, and you go back and forth between two modes, one where it's like third person action adventure and the other space is when you're inside their living quarters where you're like a disembodied camera uh, floating around and you could interact with things. Um, and I thought it was interesting that they went back and forth between these two uh, modes. And then I noticed something interesting mechanically. Um, when you're in, in their living space and you interact, for example, with a the kitchen, they start talking. Like, so I'm like, okay, so I guess they're not around. The, like, this is just a representation of the space. And the, but you hear their voices. Uh, and then you, I found them. They're there. They were like lounging around in their bed. And that's how you continue to the next scene is by interacting with them where they are physically. Uh, and the next, like when, when, when we came back to their living space, they were set up in the kitchen. And I realized that this is a very subtle and clever way to tell you if you want to move to the next scene, 
just look for them, interact with them. They'll play out the obligatory dialogue and you'll move on. But if you want to explore, then you'll could get more exposition. And it was done like so naturally. Like I, it, it, before even stopping to think about it, like it was intuitive. I'm like, okay. Like, as soon as I played through that sequence once and discovered them, I instinctively knew that if I want to move on to the next scene, I just have to find where they are sitting. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's clever. I've never seen something like it's always i'm always on the lookout for these how did they solve this problem type um, right yeah so for indie devs you always have to f- find shortcuts navigating a tight space uh, brings so many problems that people don't think about that's but they why a would lot of have... games like um, disable running in uh, in, in spaces uh, some, exactly. some games that like a, um, interact also... with object with the world in the same way also please stop shooting the npc after talking <laughs> please exactly I mean, I, I guess for me, like Haven, when I played it, the the sort of like highlight was was UNK, right? Like the 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 two characters. Yes, it's yeah, so well done. Gliding on the grass and that kind of stuff. No, that's kind of fun. Like a white, uh, like human wipeout <laughs> kind of motion, hovering over grass. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I didn't, I, I didn't dislike the navigation, but it wasn't what I was playing for. If the entire game was that. I would have probably yeah. stopped yeah, uh, I agree. after in, in short order. Yeah. What I really liked was the the, the characters and the, mm-hmm. the back and forth. The the relationship is so good; like it feels so genuine. I would describe everything other than uh, the, the the narrative parts as being enough. Like the, right. the combat was enough. It wasn't anything that you had to break, like break your head to try to figure out. It was never difficult, at least for me. I never like came right. at risk of failing. It was just enough to not completely lose interest into it. The navigation parts were short enough that I didn't lose interest, but uh, and they, they, there wasn't anything that stood out that was too bad about it. It's a fun game. I enjoyed it when I played it. Um, what about you, Fauzi? Um, so I, I've been playing uh, a, a bit of uh, Persona 5 Strikers, but I think we we spoke about it quite a bit on this podcast now. Because <laughs> played it, then uh, I played last it. episode, the episode <laughs> before that, the episode, the episode before, before that. So, yeah. so let me summarize. Persona 5 Strikers is great. It's so it's good. So good. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, yeah we, we, can, we can leave it at that. Uh, but I, but I also like, haven't played as much of it as I would want to because I've been busy with something. I, I thought it would be interesting maybe to talk on the show about um, right. So I don't know if you guys know, but I've for the past two years I've been doing an MBA degree. Mm-hmm. My, my background, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a computer science background. So I studied in university back in the day was computer science, but I wanted to study uh, to, to sort of define my knowledge of business and stuff. So I've been studying MBA for a while, and um, I graduate next month. So I'm in the Mabruk. I'm, when I, thank you. Like, wait, 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 the Mabruk until it happens. Yeah, until, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mabruk, inshallah. Inshallah, yeah. there you go. Much better. Much better. All of the Mabruk is, is just weird to my ears because in Dutch, Bruk is pants. <laughs> don't don't yeah. drop, drop the Bruk. <laughs> don't drop the pants yeah, just yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like um, so I'm writing the, the the what they call it's like similar to the thesis it's like it's a strategic case analysis mm-hmm. and I wanted to write something about video games. So there was this book called uh, there's a book that inspired me. It's called Console Wars by yeah. Blake by Blake Harris. I've read it. Right. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. I, I I really really enjoy enjoy it. It's uh, it details like the the rivalry between Sega and Nintendo um, in the early '90s from 1990 yeah. to 1995 exactly. And right. um, the most inter- the most fascinating part about this, I think, from a business point of view, is that um, Sega went into the market that Nintendo dominated. By dominated, yeah. I mean like Nintendo had ninety five percent market share. Right. Yeah. 
It's like it's, it's almost monopoly at that point. And then like Sega went in with the Mega Drive or the Genesis. And then by 1995, uh, the Mega Drive had 50% market share. Right. Which is wild. Yeah. So like I thought it would be really interesting to build um, a thesis around uh, a business uh. analysis of um, you know how they did that. Right. And um, you know, like um, a big part of the, what I'm writing about is like their their marketing campaign, which was like they mm. they went all out with the aggressive marketing. Like um, yes. they invented terms such as uh, blast Post- processing, yeah, I um, <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, like you know, up until like the design of Sonic being like so edgy and cool, like and whereas like you know, the Mario was for kids, yeah, and right. Sonic was like for the grown ups, which is really like 13 to 15 year olds. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. like you know, they're, a lot they're of grown-ups market- now. <laughs> exactly, a lot of the marketing was kind of like completely bashing on Nintendo, yeah, right. kind of, and to kind of to like uh, position Sega to be like the edgier, uh, grittier, uh, more cool um, kind the of like brand. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Sega yeah. does what Nintendo don't, right? When Nintendo don't, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like they got the sports games. Um, they they made sure that their Mortal Kombat had blood in it. Blood, yes. Right. It was the, right. the best version, quote unquote. The best version of the game, exactly. <laughs> the thing is, like, I think back in the day, like, um, it, it, it worked, obviously, because like they ended up getting like 50% market share. It definitely worked on me because like I had an NES. <laughs> Um, um, it wasn't my first console. I had like two. I, I had an MSX and an Atari before that. But an NES was like you know the D console. It was right. like a, a magnificent uh, thing that had so many games on it. And then like you know Sonic and the marketing campaign and whatnot. I was like, yeah, I'm an adult now. I don't want to play you know kids games. And like, <laughs> and like, and like you know, totally like I was totally like a Sega kid. Uh, during, right. during that Mega Drive era, which is now like in hindsight, like I like uh, after the Mega Drive, I went back and like replayed a bunch of the Super Nintendo stuff. Yeah, and, like you know, Link to the Past is one of my all-time favorite video games. I like throw on the trigger, so like yeah. I I completely disagree with my old self. Like the Super Nintendo right. is like a, a much better console in my eyes. But yes. like you know that <laughs> that's like you know, how effective the marketing campaign is. I mean, it's wild that so much of that marketing survives to that day, right? Like yeah. you look at the PS5 marketing, you look at the Xbox, uh, sh- the Xbox X uh, S, whatever. <laughs> oh my god, that name! The new, the, the new, new Xbox. Xbox. Yeah, you look at the new Xbox's marketing and. Um, Imagine um, working at Microsoft. I bet the people there are right. still confused. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I mean, I, for the longest time before the, the Xbox One was announced, I used to call the original Xbox the Xbox One. I mean, that's right. it adds even more confusion. The, the thing is, a lot of the marketing now is still that. They're still making up these big words to sound more like, you yes. know, advanced than their competitors. Yep. They're still mostly playing towards the like, slightly like we are... We're for kids, but we're also for adults. We're for everybody, yeah, right? Everybody. That's sort of the new spiel. But it, it all for like the past, what, 20 years? Mm-hmm. That marketing playbook has been used over and over and over again by, I think, everybody besides Nintendo. <laughs> because that's um, the market they want to own. Yeah. Right. And right. They, they absolutely own it at this, yeah, at they this stage. And any new I mean, parent would be like, um, I should buy, I should buy games for the kids. I should probably get a Nintendo. You know, like yeah, you know, right. it's associated. It's like if I'm gonna buy it for the kids or for the family consumption, Mario and Zelda, they're safe bets. Exactly. All consoles are Nintendo. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> also, oh. also. 
my this wasn't exactly my first console but i really wanted an nes when i was really young because i had missed mm-hmm. out on the atari uh i used to play atari at my cousin's house i didn't own one and when i asked my parents to give me an atari they got me a knockoff game and watch <laughs> it was it was like a portal it wasn't even a real game and watch I, I really wanted a nintendo back when the nintendo the nes was a big deal yeah. and my parents got me a sega master system and like I know a Sega Master System isn't a knockoff of Nintendo, but when you ask for a Nintendo and you've never heard of a Sega Master System, <laughs> I, like I felt it was a knockoff. And for the first few months that I had the console, I was disappointed. Uh, right. I'd still play the games because the games are still fun, but I couldn't play the games that I saw on the commercials because the, the Master System, I don't know for you, but the Master System didn't have commercials. We didn't see the games that they they, uh, they had until they did. Like I, I, the first commercial I, I remember seeing of, was for a uh, helicopter game. Uh, I think it was called Thunderstrike or something like that. Uh, Thunderblade. Thunderblade. Mm, Thunderblade. Uh, and mm. that legitimized the console to me and it opened up my eyes. I'm like, okay, so this is a good console. It's on TV. And I started, <laughs> but there was this period where I really lived in this existential, like, you know, mode. And actually, I had the Sega Master System for so long that my parents only got me an NES at the end of its life cycle. And oh. I became a Sega fanboy because of it. I'm like, ah, this isn't that great. I've been playing these amazing games. I, I played like uh, Fantasy Star and like, you know, Dragon Quest. great games. Oh, like right. I had, I had a like I really milked that console, but it was much cheaper than the NES, so I don't fault my parents. And to them, it's a Nintendo. They, well, they came home, they're like, "We bought you your Nintendo." They didn't say right. we bought you something else. Right. <laughs> it's funny because like have... in Jordan, um, we used to call every gaming console an Atari. So, <laughs> because like I mean, Atari was such a big thing. My first console was the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and but um, everything else, like when my dad got me an NES, well, it was like or we called it the Laila Computer Laila in mm-hmm. uh, in Jordan. Um, he was like, yeah. yeah, the Famicom. He's like, I bought you an Atari, which was in fact a Nintendo, um, which wasn't <laughs> which wasn't actually a Nintendo because it was this like bootleg thing. That had uh, 600 games stored on it, right? And but when you say 600 games, they're actually like I don't know, 12 games, and right. they're like and, repeated, and yeah. like repeated. I'm like, but this time you're starting Super Mario Bros. from level two instead of level right. one. <laughs> it's just weird ROM hacks. But yes. it had this very interesting thing on it when I had it. It had the Captain Tsubasa 2. But the ROM, nice. but the ROM was modded to be in Arabic. Oh, it was it was Captain Majid Abdullah actually named nice. after like wow. the, Sa- nice. the Saudi player, so that you could play the entire game with Arabic text. And like you know, I I ended up playing like what was for me the authentic um, Captain Majid experience because. Right. I didn't know his name was Captain Tsubasa at that age. It was Captain Magic <laughs> to me. And I then was, on the console, I played him as Captain Magic too. I was mm. so upset when I saw this Japanese anime just straight up stealing <laughs> Captain Magic from us. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. No, um, I think like, I can one up both of you. Oh, of course okay. you can. I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay. So as a kid, right, and I never had a console. We had a PC, but we like our family didn't have a lot of money, and we were living in in the Netherlands, obviously, where things were, you know, more expensive. So it wasn't. We didn't just get stuff. We had a PC that was a hand me down from an uncle. Um, so Atari stuff like that. That was never conversations in our house at all. Like mm-hmm. that, just we had the computer to play games on. And then I think I was turning six or seven or something. Uh, no, probably more like ten. And uh, Final Fantasy had come out for the PlayStation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it. Hmm. Okay. So I told my dad, 
I want a PlayStation. My dad had said, I will get you the PlayStation. And it took all the money that I got for my birthday. And I went to the store and I bought Final Fantasy. And my dad came home uh, with the PlayStation. And I opened the box and I plugged it in and I opened it to put the disc in. And instead, there was a cartridge slot. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I'm like, wait, what? And I look at it and I close the, di- and I close the lid again. And I look at it and it says... Holy station. Oh, no. <laughs> right. oh, so and you, can't, oh. you can't return discs. That's not allowed. If you open the disc, you can't return it anymore. So all of my birthday money that year <laughs> blown oh, on Final no. Fantasy VII, which I ultimately never played. What? Wow. You never played on a console. It? Not not until much later. Um, but I never played it on PlayStation. Wow. Um, because I never had a PlayStation. I had a Poly Station. Oh, no. And the Poly Station was a modded NES with 99 games, uh, <laughs> including Super Mario. And I think Contra was on there. And a soccer game, Tecmo World Cup Soccer, I think. Good game. Um, yeah, although Argentina was nonsense in that game. They could pass <laughs> at any angle, while we could only pass at 45-degree angles. I don't know what was up with that. Still angry at that game. Still never beat it. Um, and it was like a weird game with a clown on there, I think. I don't I don't remember most of the games that were on there, but there were 99, and same thing. It was 10 games. They were just looped over and over, and they were just like mods, right? Like ROM yeah. hacks. Yeah. You now start in level four. Super Mario Brothers turned into Super Luigi Brothers. Yeah. There's uh, a one where you could play underwater in the entire Mario world, but like right. the, the mechanics are when you're underwater. Probably the, right. the clown game is probably Circus Charlie. Yeah. Yes. I yep. think it's clear. Yes. I think it's circus. That's the one. Yeah. Also, horrifying game to be honest. That was really hard. <laughs> it was um, very hard. <laughs> but yeah, so I had the police station, and I was so disappointed, uh, and I was so heartbroken. I loved, I loved the thing until I accidentally blew it up in Egypt uh, by <laughs> plugging yeah. it in. The, the The plug came off, and I thought if you just put the wires in the power plug, it'll work, oh, right? Oh no! And uh, I I turned off the light in the entire building. It's a good thing you survived that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. This is. Uh, I also blew up our first computer. To be honest, there was a volt switch on the back, two twenty or one ten, and I was like, "What is this little weird switch?" Oh and I, my god! I flipped it and blew up the computer. <laughs> Luckily, there was no damage to anything, including myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, the computer was dead, and I, 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 to this day, I pretend I don't know what happened. If Dad's listening to this. Uh, <laughs> no. this I'm is your sorry. confession right. <laughs> complete... <laughs> finally that was me uh but yeah the computer just stopped working someday um but to be fair like the the, the honest way i got to play most of the games that that helped me like have this background knowledge for for a lot of my career in games it's just like pirated copies and like fake bootleg consoles that my dad bought from a guy that said this is the one this is it this <laughs> yeah. is the one as a game developer, I actually like. I'm, I guess I'm supposed to have mixed feelings about this, but I don't because I know that the people who can afford the, the like to buy the consoles and the games, they they buy the the, the legit copies. Yeah, and the markets that are underserved, I'm happy that they're getting some kind of an experience from it. Um, I don't know how you, you to feel about that, but like I, I don't have mixed feelings about it at all. I think it's it's a failure on on our industry to not serve them uh, right. better. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, for, for Vlambeer, when I was working at Vlambeer back in the days, we even said as much, like, I, I understand that as an indie, we have the freedom to do that. But we said, if you can't afford it, just find a download. Yeah. Enjoy. Because, like, to be fair, most of the games I played as a kid, like FIFA, I would go to, like, I don't know, like a Carrefour or some supermarket 
uh, and see the games, there'd be hundreds of Egyptian pounds, right? Just you couldn't you couldn't buy those with with money. Uh, but then I would go to like a little zoo somewhere, and they would just have like <laughs> all these <laughs> these these copies of popular music on like uh, cassette tapes yeah. with like clearly printed. Like just like yes. from a really bad inkjet <laughs> printer, like Linking Park or something. That was my stuff. Um, and then there would also be a rack with with computer games, and they were also clearly printed. And then if you'd open them, it would literally just be a, a rewritable CD, right, uh, with the words FIFA written on it, or like a poorly printed thing. And then on the back would be the CD key, and the CD key would always be zero 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 dash zero zero zero. And that Siddiqui would always work. That's a yep. fortress of security right there. <laughs> the, first time, the first time I bought a game in Europe with my own money with a Siddiqui, I was shocked that just putting 000 wouldn't work. Yep. I was like, what do you mean it doesn't work? <laughs> it reminds me always work. Reminds me of the Samsonite briefcases my dad bought and never changed the password to. And they were always like <laughs> 11111 and it always unlocked. Like, what's the point of having the lock? <laughs> do do did, 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 do or did your parents also have like the suitcase with all the important papers? Yes, yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. It's like right. ours was cream colored. I don't know, I, I like the ugliest cream color. Because in Japan, I had like, um, you know, in the case of an earthquake, I need to have something to get going. So like the minute right. it's like it's an emergency, I'm going to grab the most important stuff and leave. Uh, right. So I had that um, that emergency bag and I still have right. it till this day. Amazing. Um, yeah. But also, like, I remembered my dad was like, oh, he, he was out to something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, on the topic of, like, you know, bootleg stuff, you know, like, uh, a, a video game, like, especially, like, back in the Mega Drive era, like, we were talking about, like, you know, in early 90s, uh, it would be, like, 50 to 60 euros. That's, like, one third of someone's salary. Right. You yeah. know, or, like, half. So, like, yeah. um, uh, the idea of, like, uh, us buying a game when it comes out. So, like, you know, I think for the Mega Drive, I had the one game. Yeah. And then um, every other Mega Drive game I played, I was either renting or like trading with uh, other kids. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the idea of like, you know, asking my dad to pay one third his salary to get me a video game that, you know, and it's the Mega <laughs> Drive. So I'd finish it in a week, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You, yeah. you got to be uh, honest here. Um, yeah. It's, like if it wasn't Street Fighter or FIFA, like I couldn't yeah. see a reason to buy a game and keep it because in a, in a week I would finish it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like the rental business made sense. So like when the PlayStation came out, it was like the second coming to all of us because um, finally we can p uh, buy games at an affordable price of like three dollars. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> three dollars per game and like a lot of the shops used to go like you buy three we'll give you two free and i was like that's right. a pretty good deal right but i'll give you one dollar <laughs> right, right. To, to be fair i don't think i've ever to this day i've not seen an unmodded console in egypt yeah like i just had, they like, sell the modded right right yeah. you just buy the modded even even in like somewhat reputable stores like the you you buy the modded. It's only like the really fancy like U.S. Western brand supermarkets uh, or electronic store where they sell the the actual console, but they come with like a technology like bonus price because importing it is complicated. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, all the games I played with my with my cousins because they would have a, an actual PlayStation. So jealous. So jealous. <laughs> um, we would play on those and it was all modded. Like none of it, none of it was legal because like you, you just can't afford that. That device is more expensive than 
you know, like two, three months of living. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, the way I got to play games, modded consoles, a lot of emulation, because that was also a big thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and net cafes. I spent so much time in that phase. I don't know if that was a thing, if that was a big thing for, for you guys, but yeah. I just, yep. I there was one around the corner and I would spend any moment I could there. And then I would disappear, right, for nine months or 10 months because I wouldn't be in Egypt for, for, for the majority of the year. And then I'd come back and I spent just, the guy was just like, oh, you're back. It's like, yep. Like, well, good, good for business. And I would just play like Soldat was super popular on that. Yeah. What else? All sorts of like weird little 2D LAN games yeah. were on there. But they didn't really care for strategy games. Hmm. Um, shooters? Not, not Shooters, lots of shooters, yeah. right? There was racing game and there was FIFA. There was always FIFA. Yes. Yeah. Uh, except for a few years when it was Pro Evo. Yeah. yeah. Right? There was the Pro Evo years. Yeah, yeah. My it, FIFA smoke shisha, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so, for, oh, and then of course the arcades, but those were those were usually legit. Yeah, right. arcade oh, yeah. for actual arcade cabinets. So I think that, um, uh, like, uh, for me, like, and in Jordan, uh, the 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 LAN culture was kind of a continuation from the arcade culture because we had mm-hmm. arcades growing up, and like you know, a lot of the fighting games, like from Pac-Man to fighting games, like uh, I don't know, somehow the arcade cabinets were always current. So like uh, we were following the transition, and then like LAN happened when like you know consoles, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, arcade uh, consoles started to take over the arcade market. LAN started happening, and then like LAN was the thing. Like Counter Strike was right. the game that right. kind of like made it explode. Right. And I have like you know like I I continued to go to LANs even like you know after graduating and like started working. Like I have very fond memories of like me and my friends like uh, we were making our first games. We like tried to we all like every friend would like call their friends and we tried to put together like a big enough group so that when we rock up in. Uh, in a in a land place we could all of us play battlefield <laughs> so right. like we'd have like enough players to have like two battlefield teams that are all people we know yeah. and uh it was like you know wild times because you pay like two bucks and you have four hours the, uh, it's, i mean i'm sorry it's a little dark but like iraq had to catch up a lot because of the 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 gulf of wars course. yeah so right. for the longest yeah, when I went to visit during the, the the sanctions, the only thing resembling video games that I saw were Game Boys. Um, very, very few people had them. Right. Uh, I mean, when when your concern is different, when your concern is is electricity going to stay on, you're you're not going to be buying uh, these devices that are connect going to connect to your TV to play video games. It's, it was that that was just not our experience right. uh, at all. But the catch up happened. Uh, I mean, uh, right now, mm-hmm. game development scene in Iraq is picking up. Uh, there are game jams, and people are getting back right. into it. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 making a comeback. But like these net cafes and what have you, they weren't they were not a thing. They weren't there. No, yeah, there was no, nothing. I can like imagine. That. We had yeah. something in Jordan. I'm not sure if maybe it's rocking up in Iraq right now. Is that like there was the you know the the land shops kind of doing their thing on PC gaming. But then, like these stores started rocking up, in which like you go in and there's just uh, a bunch of TV sets and couches, like maybe fifteen. Maybe like yeah. a TV set and a couch in front of it, and then you can sit there and play console games. And, right. And you also pay by the hour. And I think like you know, ninety five percent is FIFA, <laughs> or like right. or like Pro Evo, like people playing soccer games. And there's usually like the one or two Street Fighter groups yeah. that's usually my group yeah <laughs> but yeah. it was like, such a big thing is like you know after work you like you know um, everybody goes up to one of those playstation stores what people call them uh, it'll be like yalla roh la playstation 
let's go play some PlayStation. And then you go to this place and like, you know, four controllers, two on two playing FIFA, smoke shisha and have like, you know, alcohol-free cocktails. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, the, the Friday night out um, um, Arab style. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> yeah, well, I had a lot of fun. I've yeah. seen some of those before, but they, they, they weren't, they weren't a big deal when I was growing. They, they've been more recent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're, they're, it is wild the ways people work around just not having a home console. I actually kind of like the social part of it. Um, yeah, me too. Like the net cafes were always some of the best time uh, just because yeah. you, you'd meet other kids, you, you talk to people and, and, you know, make friends over these games that you were playing. I feel that's kind of been lost over the internet yeah. a little you know what I mean? In those in those stores that I was talking about, so like there was this one store that uh, me and my crew used to go to, and we played. We were playing Street Fighter Four at the time. Mm-hmm. It just came out, so we're playing a whole bunch of Street Fighter Four, and we started to get good at it, right? So like we started to play against the people that also come to the store to play Street Fighter Four. They'd be like, "Yo, no, you guys want to play?" No, it's a rivalry. And then like you know, we beat them and all of a sudden, so like we became like you know the, the cha- that shop champs, right? And then we started to go like and visit other shops, <laughs> and we got like, yo, know, we got people here play Street Fighter. Want to play against their? These chat. are some good Pokemon gems. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally that. So like, eventually we started. We identified like you know the bigger like PlayStation uh, stores there, and like we know who are the best Street Fighter players there. Right. And then like you'd be like, here's our two best players against two of your other players, right. and it'd be like. It'd be like a political event. Right, like, right. you know, the players, the players are sitting on the couch and everybody else is sitting around and going like, Ahlan wa sahlan, assalamu alaykum. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's bring tea for our guests. Right, right. right. <laughs> this is like, you know, the sport delegation. So right. like they, they get us like free drinks you know, while our champs are sitting there and either like winning or like losing. Right. And then like winning or losing at this stage, like if it's uh, in our store, it'll be thrash talking the entire time. Right. But since we're a delegation, we're also like, you know, we have to abide by um, good sportsmanship. It'd be like, oh, your team lost. He played a really good match. Maybe next time, like, you know, you guys will be great. Inshallah, and then I can drink some tea. That's <laughs> like amazing it. memories. Yeah. So like, you know, like, uh, we ended up like, this is like the Jordanian champion because, like, he came out of those Pokemon gyms. <laughs> <laughs> All they need to do is introduce badges. That's it. Oh, man. We're done. That's a great idea. <laughs> I would love that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't. I, I will say until the Xbox One, no, the Xbox 360, I had never owned a console besides the police station. But now looking back, that police station was actually was actually great. Like it was it was a lot of games for not too much money. Um, and I, I have it. It's still, you know, blown up. So it's still burnt, but I, I have, I have it here, and I've been thinking of modding in a new uh, nest plate. You know, I still have, I still have my um, my childhood NES. It stopped working, but I couldn't, I didn't have the heart of to get rid of it. Right. So uh, one of my friends actually took it. Uh, he he asked me for it. He took it. He gutted it, and he made it into a joystick. Kotaku wrote an article about my joystick a long time ago. He actually carved holes in the on the top of it and put like joystick, like you know, the joysticks and the buttons, and uh, modded it so it works with PC, uh, Xbox 360, and PS3 uh, at that time. Right. Uh, but yeah, 
yeah, it's a great little gizmo. So maybe turn your polystation into a toaster or something. You can, <laughs> like turn it into something else that you need. Who I knows? found the article, but <laughs> uh, reader Osama D's French friend built him a fighting <laughs> stick out of a Nintendo Entertainment System. This is from 2009. Yep. I just love. I, I just love how much of now that we're talking. I love how much of gaming was just people gathering around, yep. being loud about it. Uh, it, Absolutely. it was a big deal. It was a together deal. That was nice. So uh, speaking of social things and being loud, I well, just wanted to go. remind everyone <laughs> that uh, we always love to chat with all of you. So if you want to join us on our Discord at discordthehabibis.com or send us any of your questions on info at thehabibis.com, uh, so yeah, if you, you've guessed it, this is the wrap up for the week. I think we've had some it's pretty Osama, Osama quality, just like Osama quality. <laughs> how do you rate it? How do you rate it? I mean, we can't we can't rate the master. That's not how it works. <laughs> You're the benchmark, and we rate according to you. We we see we see if we can one day reach your level. But one more thing. If you don't like podcasting apps, we've created a new solution for you because a lot of people are asking for it. You can now also follow The Habibis on YouTube uh, at youtube.thehabibis.com. It'll bring you straight to our channel. You can listen to all our latest episodes on YouTube as well. Um, That took a lot of work. Please go listen and subscribe. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Rami worked really hard on that. Thank you, Rami. So... And seriously, honestly, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. We really love doing this show and you listening makes it possible. So thank you for listening and see you next week. Salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I'm Osama Dorias, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Osama Dorias. My fellow Habibis were Rami Ismail. You can find on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami and Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea, with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam alaikum.